Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew with his sermon entitled, The Cleansing of a Dying Leper, preached on May 14, 1995. Now, if you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew chapter 8. Shall we turn to the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 8. And let me read to you beginning with verse 1 through 4. And may God help you. May God help you to understand it. When he came down from the mountainside, many crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing... You can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. He said, be clean. Immediately, he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself. To the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. The cleansing of a dying leper. In the fifth chapter of St. Matthew, you notice when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside in Galilee and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. So you notice he was teaching the disciples and yet there were many crowds also listening to the teaching of Jesus Christ. And so we read in the last part of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 7, verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught us one who had authority and not asked their teachers of the law. So the crowds, large crowds, in the Greek we are told many crowds were there at the mountainside along with the disciples to listen attentively the teaching of Jesus Christ. And they were struck by the authority, the exousia of this teacher who says, I say to you with such definitiveness, such unction, such conviction, we are told that they were amazed. Crowds were impressed. We are not told that the crowds put their trust in Jesus Christ alone. 
In verse 1 of Matthew 8, we read, When he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. Crowds are interested in amazement. There are people who live all their lives for amazement, for some kind of thrill. They go here and they go there, and they are, get, they are impressed. They are amazed. They were full of wonders. And they will go and tell other people how impressed they were as they listen to the teaching of Jesus Christ. But the truth is, we are not told that they believe in Jesus Christ. The point I want to make to you is this, it is not enough to be impressed. It is not enough to be amazed. What matters is to trust in this Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. That's what matters. There are many people in hell. Many crowds will go to hell. Crowds who were amazed and impressed by Jesus Christ. But crowds not converted. Crowds never trusted in Jesus Christ alone. People come to Jesus Christ for various reasons. One, of course, is to be amazed. They're looking for wonder workers, oratorical skill of preachers. They are impressed by. Others will go to hear Jesus. We are told to test him. Whether they receive, whether they, whether he receives an A grade from their scale of grading. Whether he understands the Bible. Whether he is well versed in the knowledge of the traditions of the elders. Many people came to Jesus Christ with that purpose of testing him. Testing the Son of God, the incarnation of wisdom and understanding and knowledge. Testing the omniscient one, the creator of the universe. Others come to trap him, to catch him in some kind of a net so that they could accuse him to the Sanhedrin. And you have read portions of scripture where such stories are told. Others will come to see miracles and be amazed. Their eyeballs come out from the sockets and the Bible speaks about it. They were amazed to see miracles. Others came to discover in him a possible political messiah who will bring again the glory of Israel. Others came to Jesus Christ for the singular purpose of receiving temporal blessings. Jesus recognized this and he makes the statement in the 26th 
verse of John 6, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, meaning miraculous signs which are credentials of Jesus Christ, announcing that he is the Messiah, that you may trust in him alone for salvation. No, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. How many thousands of Christians, how many thousands of people are going to churches and listening to preachers in order that they may receive temporal blessings, that their temporal problems may be solved by this Messiah, Jesus, that they may get a better job, that their body may be healed, that they may get into good schools, that they may marry a fine person, that they may receive healthy children. When you really analyze the motivations of many, it will be very evident. They are coming to get their fill of temporal bread. But notice, we are told in the 8th chapter, the large crowds following Jesus, and Jesus himself, the Son of God, coming down from the, that mountain. But we are told here of a drama. The Greek word is, ye do behold, look, there is a drama taking place. It is not the drama of the crowds descending with Jesus, but it is the drama of a singular individual. Behold, a dramatic sight being unfolded before the crowds. A leper, a leper is coming. He's coming to Jesus Christ. And I would agree with Professor Hendrickson of Calvin Seminary in terms of this disease. And let me read to you what he says. The disease which we today call leprosy generally begins with pain in certain areas of the body. Numbness follows Soon the skin in such spots loses its original color. It gets to be thick, glossy, and scaly. In fact, the affliction is called leprosy because it makes the skin scaly. As the sickness progresses, the thickened spots become dirty sores and ulcers due to poor blood supply. The skin, especially around the eyes and ears, begins to bunch with the deep furrows between the swellings so that the face of the afflicted individual begins to resemble that of a lion. Fingers drop off or are absorbed. 
toes are affected similarly. Eyebrows and eyelashes drop out. By this time, one can see that the person in this pitiable condition is a leper. By a touch of the finger, one can also feel it. One can even smell it, for the leper emits a very unpleasant odor. Moreover, in view of the fact the disease-producing agent frequently also attacks the larynx, the leper's voice acquires a grating quality. His throat becomes hoarse, and you can now not only feel, see, and smell the leper, but you can hear his rasping voice. And if you stay with him for some time, you even imagine a peculiar taste in your mouth, probably due to the order. Here is a leper. And if you read the account of Luke, who is a physician, he makes a more careful observation. He was, Luke says, full of leprosy. In other words, this man was suffering from leprosy in its advanced stage. And he was a dying leper. Leprosy was incurable. Rabbi spoke about it. To heal a leper is as difficult as raising the dead. And it is infectious. It's painful. And in the scripture, this sickness is a symbol of the awesomeness and gruesomeness and the heinousness, detestableness of sin. And a leper, as you know, is excommunicated from society of God, cannot live in any walled cities. He is alone or in company with other lepers. As you see in the 17th chapter of Luke, you find 10 of them. And we are told that they stood far off and they raised their voice. And they cried, Jesus Epistata Eleison Hemas, Jesus Master, have mercy on us. Hopeless a leper was. The only thing he can count on is death, a miserable, wretched, ostracized death. He must cry as he goes, unclean, unclean so that healthy people may turn away from him and will not come in contact with him and be made unclean. A leper has no right to comb his hair or to go to a hairdresser. It is the law that he should keep his hair disheveled and unkempt. When you look at his face, it's disfigured. It's gruesome looking. It is the most scary thing. People run away from a leper. As I said, it is a symbol of sin and its hideousness. But the drama that is unfolding is not acted out by the multitude. But it is acted out by a leper. That's why in the Greek we are told, behold, take a look. Something unusual is happening. 
that a leper is coming to Jesus. Unlike other lepers, he is not standing afar off. He is not even turning away from Jesus. But he is coming toward him. And in Luke we read that he fell upon his face. Nobody else in the crowd did fall upon his face and begged Jesus Christ to save him. But one leper did. He fell upon his face. And Matthew uses a Greek word, proskuneo, means he worshipped Jesus. He worshipped him. We are told in Luke again that he begged him, begged him in prayer. I want to speak to you. Not only the coming of this leper, but the confession of this leper. Look at the great faith of this leper. You know, these other people, the multitudes, they go to synagogue, they go to temple. They don't have to worry about it. They're already in, they think. Like some of you. You think you're already in. You don't have to be so impressed by Jesus Christ. But look at this man. He has this profound understanding. Generated within him. Concerning who Jesus is. He did not go to anybody in the crowd. He went to Jesus Christ alone. In other words, he has an understanding as to who Jesus is. That Jesus Christ is able to cleanse him. We are told in the Bible, faith comes by hearing. It is faith in a person. And you have to know something about that person. I have this hunch that in Galilee, in unwalled cities, lepers can live in their own houses unlike in Jerusalem. They can associate with other lepers. They can also go to listen to people, but you need to stand afar off. But I have a hunch that this leper was there at the mountain when Jesus Christ was speaking. Oh, I'm sure he stood afar off, but his ears were attuned to the authoritative declaration of this Messiah. And he heard what Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I'm sure he heard from the mouth of Jesus, Do not worry, for your heavenly Father knows. I'm sure he heard, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And he also heard what Jesus said in the seventh chapter, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. 
and knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. Faith comes by hearing. He also heard what Jesus said. 21st verse of 7th chapter of Matthew, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He heard that. And he understood that there are hypocrites in the church of Jesus Christ. There are hypocrites in the temple and in the synagogues. He understood the importance of genuine confidence in the Messiah. Yes, he concluded this. He is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. He speaks with authority. He says, I say unto you. And he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He is Lord. He concludes, he is the Messiah. And I'm sure this leper must have heard other reports concerning miracles that Jesus Christ performed. Probably he heard of this story that is recorded in the fourth chapter of St. Luke. And let's turn verse 24 I tell you the truth he continued no prophet is accepted in his hometown I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon and there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet yet not one of them was cleansed oh, only name in the Syrian he must have heard many other teachings he must have heard the reports of how Jesus Christ performed miracles for other people and he made this conclusion that this Jesus Christ is Lord and God and deserves to be worshipped when there is the drama taking place, he comes disheveled, gruesome, wretched, miserable looking, torn clothes, and the lower parts of his face covered. That's the drama. And then he falls down before Jesus on his face, worshiping him. That's the drama. And not only he worshipped him, he confessed. What did he say? He said, Lord. That's what he said. Lord. Oh, that is a self-conscious utterance. That is based on his knowledge of the person of this one Jesus. Lord. Kurie. See, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Here is a person who came to him. He was not brought to him. A daring soul. A wretched person. But he comes to Jesus Christ with great faith. And he falls down. He worships the deity of Jesus. And he addresses him. Lord. Lord of the universe. Lord you are. You are God and and that's important, isn't it? That's important. Look at 11th chapter of Matthew. Jesus speaks to the 
messengers of John the Baptist in this manner. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. In other words, go and tell him that I am the Messiah. But here a leper, a reprehensible specimen of human being, is granted this profound revelation. Saving faith, in other words. And he makes this confession that you are God and you are Lord, he says. And not only that, he said you are sovereign. Sovereign means, Lord, if you will, everything depends on your divine decree and determination. That means this wretched human being is given faith into the person of Jesus Christ. He knows that he is God. He knows that he is the sovereign Lord. And he knows that everything is controlled by him. And according to his will and decree, things will happen. And so he says, if you will. What he says is, I don't know whether I am predestinated or I am chosen or I am elect, I don't know any of these things. I have no understanding, but I have nothing to lose. I am trying and I am coming to you, if you will. In other words, if you love me, if you don't heal me, that's okay. I understand that you are sovereign. You will have mercy upon whomever you will have mercy. I will not say you are not just or fair. I understand it all. But if you will. And not only that, he says, you're omnipotent. He says, if you will. That means sovereignty of Jesus Christ. And then he says what? You are able. You are omnipotent to do anything. Isn't that amazing? Understanding coming from a wretched excommunicated, miserable, a leper, omnipotence. You are able. Nobody else in the crowd said that, but he said it. You are able. And not only that, he didn't say you are able to heal everybody. No. Nobody enters into the kingdom of God unless you have personal faith in Jesus Christ. He said, Lord, if you will, you are able to what? To cleanse me. Cleanse me! Cleanse me! One who is full of leprosy. One who is not covering up my sin. There are some people, they want to say, well, well, I'm nice, I'm good, I'm great. I gave a Christmas gift to somebody. I live by golden rule. I'm a civilized person. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ never saves anyone but a sinner. But a sinner. And the amazing thing here is, I know you are able, if you will, to cleanse me. Wretched, miserable, sinner, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That is personal faith. 
Your father cannot believe for you. Your pastor cannot believe for you. You must be given understanding into the person of Jesus Christ. And you must come daringly and boldly and confidently to Jesus Christ and say, I am a sinner. Look at me. I am full of it. My whole person reveals how sinful I am. But you are able. Well, you go home and read First Timothy chapter 12, where St. Paul describes his own sinfulness. And he glories in the salvation God has given to such a despicable sinner. And he calls himself the worst sinner. Crowds were amazed, but this fellow believed in Jesus Christ. Oh, he who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Whosoever believes on him, I am whosoever. Nothing more is stated, whosoever. I am a whosoever leper. Oh, that's all right. You can come. Whosoever. Now, let's look at the cleansing by Christ. We have time. I'm not going to look at the time. I'm interested in your soul. I'm not interested in the clock in your soul. That is descending to hell. Quickly. The cleansing by Christ. You must read the 40th verse of Mark chapter 1. A word splank and needs is used. You see this leper was on the ground, on the dirt, on his face, praying. And the text says that Jesus was moved with compassion. That's a very important word. It is what happened to the father of the prodigal when he saw at a distance his son, a wretched appearance, and he is emaciated, he is filthy and dirty. But when he saw, his whole heart was moved, filled with emotion, filled with compassion, filled with love. Others ran away from this person, maintaining their holiness. But here, Jesus Christ, looking at this wretched specimen of humanity, but his heart is filled with love and mercy and compassion. I'm sure he stooped down, and it says he stretched out his hand. Compassion. Let me assure you, sinner, you come as you are. As a sinner, full of it. You will find a Jesus who will not run away from you and leave you in your misery. You will find a Jesus who will be moving with compassion. Remember the story of a, of a priest who was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He saw this wretched man on the road. The book says he saw and he went over on the other side very carefully, maintaining his holiness. And we are told the Levite came and saw it 
and he also very carefully, religiously went over to the other side. And then read, a Samaritan came and he saw, and Luke says, he was moved with compassion. And I believe that is a picture of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will not cast you away and treat you like dirt. He sees you as the Heavenly Father sees you as a lost child coming home. And he moved with compassion, with love. And he stoops down and he stretches out his hand and does something that is out of the ordinary. In Leviticus 15 verse 7 we are told you are not supposed to touch a leper. If you do, you will become unclean. But here, the absolute holiness, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, stoops down, moved by compassion, and stretches out his hand and touches him. Let me assure you, this leper has not had a touch of human hand in many years. I want to tell you, it was a touch of love that was filling his heart, came out into the hands and went on to his body. It's a touch of compassion. It was a touch of acceptance. It was a touch of power. It was a touch of healing. That's what it was. And let me read to you what a great preacher of the 19th century said. Spurgeon makes this point. I have heard of a lady who cared for poor, crippled children. She found one which was so deformed, diseased, ill-humored, and continually crying that no one felt able to love it. She was nursing the child, but the task was no pleasure to her. For do what she would, the poor child seemed always to cry and always to act an unlovely part. The good woman pitied the child but could not love it. As she had the poor creature in her lap, she dozed and dreamed that Jesus came and bowed over her and told her that as to her soul, she also was sick and loathsome in his sight. But yet he loved her and would manifest himself to her. When she came to herself, she looked at the poor misshapen child and again felt an aversion to it because it was so wretchedly deformed, so disgustingly full of soul, and so passionate and peevish. Under the power of the vision, she had beheld all her feeling of disgust went from her. She felt great tenderness of soul. She pressed the little one to her bosom and kissed its poor blotchy face. The child opened its eyes with wonder, for it had never been kissed before. And by that kiss, a new world was opened to it. The little one became grateful, happy, patient, and was no longer a burden to those who cared for it. How much may come 
Spurgeon says, of a little. Even thus, our Lord's personal touch of us heals us. Not only that, not only filled with compassion, stooped down, stretched out his hand, touched him, and in that touch he told him that God loves you and sent me to die for you. Not only that, he said, you understand that I am Lord. You understand that I am sovereign, I can do all things. And you understand that I am omnipotent. And he says, I will. Meaning, I will your salvation. And then he made a command. Be clean. Hallelujah. Divine decree. Divine command. Oh, let's turn to the book of Matthew, verse 8. Let me read to you about this healing business. It is stated here in the 17th verse. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took our infirmities and carried our He is able to save you. He is able to clean you. He is able to forgive you. Because Jesus Christ came not to be ministered unto but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. Instantly, the Bible says, he was healed. Yes, this Jesus has authority. Not only he speaks with authority, he performs acts with authority. This Jesus is not just a man, he is God. He has all authority in heaven and on earth, we are told. He has authority over nature, over demons, over Satan, over diseases, over death, over hell, over nations. This Jesus has authority. And this Jesus is able to save you. If you come and confess, he will cleanse you. And it will be a true conversion, brothers and sisters. Do not come for any other purpose but to be saved by him now and forever. Oh, a sinner is infinitely worse than a leper. Not anyone in the crowd can save a sinner. The leper came to Jesus. Jesus saves. Jesus alone saves. But Jesus saves sinners. Jesus saves sinners who truly repent and believe in Jesus Christ alone. The leper must have said to himself, <laughs> now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. This is the year of jubilee. This is the day when debts are paid. This is the day of the Messiah. When the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear. The dead are raised, the good news are proclaimed to the poor. This is my hour. This is my time. This is extraordinary time, he said. This is the age of miracles. This is the age of hope even for me, a miserable sinner. Probably said this is what Isaiah spoke in the 35th chapter. Let me read to you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf, deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness 
and streams in the desert. That's what he said to himself. This is my time. This is my hour. This is the time of the Messiah. When the kingdom of God in power has penetrated into this age. I will dare to quote him. And he did. Jesus, he said, will receive me. He will not reject me. I will not defile him. He is holiness. He makes people clean. Nobody can defile him. But he will cleanse me. But how do I know that I am chosen? I am an elect. I am predestinated. I do not know that. But the Bible says, Whosoever. And I am whosoever. I am whosoever. I am poor. I am wretched. I am a sinner. I have no merit of my own. Besides, Jesus has never cast out anyone who came to him for mercy. Heavenly Father, we pray. Help us, O oh Lord, to obey the Spirit of God by obeying the Word of God, which we know what the Word is telling us. Help us to prove ourselves to be sons of God. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace Valley Christian Center is committed to the unchanging truths of the Holy Scriptures. We have been proclaiming the whole counsel of God since 1974 through our weekly worship services, our website resources, and our publishing ministry. For more information about our church, to find more edifying sermons, or to order books by the Rev. P.G. Matthew, please visit our website at gracevalley.org.